Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode featuring Debbie Cohen, owner and founder of Streetwise HR. I've known Debbie for a long time and consider her somewhat of a guru on all things human resources. I was therefore eager to get her insights into a number of subjects that are at the heart of any business owner right now, including the future of the workplace, company values, staff retention, escalating costs and salaries, and so much more. We also have a great and honest conversation with Debbie about why and how she started Streetwise in 2012, how the experience has changed her, the relationships that she has built, and the important role her mentor played in her self-belief and subsequent success. With all that is going on in the world right now and the uncertainty of 2023 looming on the horizon, I thought it'd be really good to get that informed and expert insight, as I say, on all things people. And I really hope you do enjoy the conversation that results. Welcome, Debbie, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to be here. It's great to have you on the show and it's going to be great to talk to you about all things human resources team engagement, all of those kind of things, your kind of background and your knowledge and expertise is going to be quizzed during the course of this conversation, I'm sure. But we should start with a little bit about your background, the background of your business streetwise. So you founded the business in 2012. Tell us a little bit about how the business came about and a little bit about the journey since then, Debbie. Okay, so yeah, Streetwise HR was founded in June 2012. Um, I'd previously had an HR consultancy prior to Streetwise HR um, and that had been going for four or five years and I'd worked with um, the original founder of that consultancy and that's where I really dipped my toe into HR consultancy coming from quite a corporate background you know okay. I'd worked in education and I'd worked at JP Morgan and Liverpool Victoria. So you'd done it in-house? I'd done it in-house for probably nearly 15 years before I went into consultancy Okay, and uh, the point that I went into consultancy and joined um, the previous consultancy, I I had just got disheartened really with HR and the perception of HR and predominantly the politics and the bureaucracy. And I was just, I was burnt out, if I'm honest, really yeah. with HR. And I had the opportunity to go into consultancy, joined a consultancy with, with the founder of that previous business. And I worked in there for four and five years and became a partner of that consultancy. And Really, we, we rode the wave in 2008 of the, of the recession and we did really well. And then really what happened is she decided, um, understandably for her, that she wanted to go and get a job. Okay. Um, it, it wasn't for me. Right. You weren't <laughs> um, going to go back into that corporate world. No. And, and I didn't want to go back into that old 
style HR structure. For yeah. me, I'd seen what consultancy could do. And I had such a passion for consultancy and, and HR and how mm. it could be done that I wasn't ready to give up at that stage. So um, however scary that might have been at that time, I said, well, I want to carry on. And I didn't want to carry on under the old banner because it felt wrong, mm. because it wasn't, I hadn't created it fully. Yeah. I had been a part of that journey, but it wasn't mine. Yeah. So I made that decision back in 2012 to start over. Um, kind of me at home, I had I just, I just had a divorce. I was going through yeah, a breakup. Um, I had no income coming in at that time. Mm. And it was just, how am I going to do this? And I wow. thought, well... I'm going to do it. I don't care what's going to happen. That drive was just in you to make it happen. Absolutely. And I wasn't going to give up. I, I was, I was, I felt I still had so much more to give and I was petrified. (laughs) (laughs) We all are, aren't we? Those early days, you know, we set up a business, particularly I think, you know, the services industry, you know, you know, combined a business tax advisory, corporate finance, yours, HR, we both all both set up with just us, probably a laptop, a phone, and a desk somewhere. And it's quite easy to get going, isn't it? Because you just provide services, clients pay, but that there is this petrifying feeling of Absolutely. actually, will people buy me? It's just me now. Yep. There's no other brand around me, it's me. And I can empathise with that petrified feeling, Debbie. Yeah, and I think because I'd been part of something else that was known locally, Yeah. and although you know it ended for whatever reason you know we we both decided we wanted to do it differently there was a sense of of you know feeling or bad feeling in the in you know i felt in in the local community so i kind of went and hid a little bit which probably wasn't sensible for the first few years and i and i kind of just needed to lick my wounds and okay I went, I went into this, I've just got to survive and the first two years was, was, was quite hard going and I had, you know, my confidence had kind of taken a real knock. Okay. Um, but, you know, you, you do what you've got to do, don't you? And, yeah. and I believed in, in Streetwise HR, you know, I set Streetwise HR up because I, I really wanted to be able to give local employers, especially entrepreneurial businesses that straight talking commercial advice and guidance and I think that's that's that was my passion and my dream so when did the turning point come then you you talk about those first couple of years being quite tough and when did the point come where that self-belief possibly kicked in and that confidence that you could really make something happen Uh, I have to say if I'm really honest I don't think that the confidence really came until the last few years. I, th- okay. I actually don't think I've really been true to myself until the last two to three years. Maybe the pandemic has had a, an impact on that. But I think where I started to think, I've just got to get on with this. I can't keep yeah. staying in my back room and um, not going networking anymore and not meeting the people that I used to meet or yeah. not telling the people close to me how I felt or what had happened. Yeah, I'd kept everything quite close to my chest about you know why the business failed or what we had done yeah. you know and, and and I wouldn't change any of it for the world it, it's made me who I am today yeah. and I'm thankful for that experience um but obviously I'm still even today I'm left with some of the um remin- reminiscence of that you know in yeah. terms of you know debt and and all of that kind of stuff so it's it's still with me but I take that as a that's that's my strength yeah. to make sure that I can keep powering on um 
But I think what actually changed is I was really lucky to stay in contact with Laura McHarry. Yeah. Um, she was working, I think, for Set for Growth, maybe yeah. back then. And she invited me in for a meeting. And I think you meant to have like an hour's slot. And about three hours later, I was still in this meeting with her. The poor woman had my life story. Um, and she had known me in the previous business. Yeah. And I think just having somebody to talk to and actually share that story was was the turning point from that point of view because she said you know get get out start meeting people again go and speak to people that you haven't spoken to for however many years and stop yeah. hiding wow we all need that you know i had mike didn't i as you know i had mike bevis and and you, you've had laura and you do need those people around you those mentors don't you Definitely. those sounding boards that really have no agenda other than a at times a belief in you and somebody that's prepared to say the tough things absolutely and I think if I hadn't have been for that she set me some quite clear goals from that meeting right. and one of those was to reach out to um people that I hadn't spoken to I think you were one of the people on the list actually at the time um and you know other people you know there was you know Graham Stewart from Britannia Parking oh, okay. um there were some other people that had really good connections locally and she said what why aren't you speaking to all these amazing people that, that you already have connections with yeah. and start getting out there and having the conversations and showing them what you're all about yeah. because they already know that you can deliver from an HR perspective you just need to go out there and grab it again and, and that gave me the kind of kick I needed I think to yeah. just take that next step and what's really interesting about your business, which I think is you know amazing, is that you know you recently did have your tenth anniversary party. Lucky enough to be there. And what struck me was that many of your clients had been with you for at least ten years. But you know, eight plus was really common. You know, and and I always talk about this kind of term client delight. And what struck me in that kind of evening was that you really had nailed that client delight, that philosophy. So why do you think your clients have stayed with you so long? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think that we've created a very strong relationship. Um, so I think of the core clients that we've remained working with and, and a handful of those clients were clients prior to Streetwise HR mm. becoming, um, you know, being born, you know, um, Britannia Parking, one of them urban guild one of them um four solutions um you know you've you've got some really key local businesses that have stayed with me 13 14 years mm -hmm. and i think the i you know if i asked them the question they'd probably say we just can't get rid of you debbie um <laughs> in fact i think they've already said that to me many times but i think the trust and i think the mutual respect between us is key they know that they can call on me whenever and 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 get sound advice but i think also they know that i won't tell them always what yeah. they they want to hear i'll tell them what i think is best for them and their business yeah. um and they need sometimes that confidence i think entrepreneurs especially can be quite strong-minded yeah and some people in hr can be a bit fearful of of standing their ground on certain things and and giving their own perspective it's not our job necessarily as hr no. professionals to say this is what you should do um but i think entrepreneurs like to be 
given options and they like to be able to talk things through without somebody judging them that constructive challenge is quite an important thing isn't it yes and I think we've built some strong foundations and I've been very lucky to have built my relationships with key individuals over the years like yourself like Brian Parker um, like Ross Negus who who have developed their businesses over the that 10 plus year period Mm. and I've grown with them yeah and now they're at a stage in their business where they're kind of starting to, you know, be less involved. You know, look at Mark Cribb, you know, yeah. he's been less involved, but but they'll still pick up the phone to me yeah. and we'll still always have that connection. And I and I would like to consider them all, as I think I said in my speech at, <laughs> at the party, you know, they're now friends. Yeah. And we've built that relationship. Proper deep seat. Absolutely. And 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 that's I'm proud of that. Yeah. And I'm proud to be able to look at our retention um and have built a team with kim and katie especially who get it yeah. and they understand the value of relationship building it's not Brilliant. just let's get a sale it's let's build and connect to who we're working with yeah, definitely i've always said it's the you know in any client relationship when you're providing services it's not the pound you can earn today it's the value of that relationship over the lifetime and the longevity of it that's really important, isn't it? it? It's vital. And I think, unfortunately, some some businesses don't see that. Yeah. They they go after that initial kind of, well, just want to sale. And, yeah. and I think it's so much deeper than that. And, you, you know, we, we've built relationships, haven't we, and friendships over the years with the people mm. that we've networked with. And that, that hasn't been because we're going out there to try and get business. It's been yeah. because we actually care about each other yeah. and therefore we care about what happens to their business and therefore if they then need some support yeah we're at the end of a phase. it's that longevity isn't it it's that it's about being in a business community for life not just yeah not just for that quick kind of relationship and as i say that quick pound i mean but because of that nuance and because you are entrepreneurially minded yourself debbie that i can see and i've felt myself that there's that correlation that kind of bond does that sometimes as an HR consultant though, advising those businesses put you in a strange place? Because you, you can be constructively challenging, but you've also got to be able to see what's going on within their teams and with the, from an employee's perspective. Is that a challenge in your role? Or do you think it's a skill you've just developed over the years? Definitely a skill I've developed over the years. And I think because if you don't have the perspective, you can't give the advice, can you? No, and I and I do think it's a really hard one to explain. But I think as a HR professional, you can you can train for years and learn and, and go into UCIPD, and you can get really experienced in the you know the the practice and the legislation and mm. and what the you know what you're meant to say and how you're meant to say it. But there's an inner inner thing that happens for me when I'm speaking to a client and I'm advising and whether that's that passion or that you know that feeling of I care so much about their businesses Mm. maybe sometimes too much it's instinct I feel that I'm able to have a conversation and advise a client and be able to interpret things in a certain way that I can relay something to a client Mm whether that's something they want to hear or they don't want to hear. And I think you have to be able to also manoeuvre yourself through the teams, build trust with team members without that conflict. And that can be quite a challenge when you're seen as the person that has the relationship with the business owner. Yeah. Um, People don't automatically 
want to open up to you yeah. because they think that you're just going to go running off to yeah. the business owner and tell them what they've told you. So you have to be, you know, you have to be able to navigate that and you have to be able to build trust throughout a team. Mm. But also, ultimately, you are, you know, as an HR professional that works with business owners, you also have to be able to support and help and guide them in their business decisions and yeah. and I think coming coming from a business entrepreneurial background myself I'm able to give the, both perspectives yeah, the nuance of it and the and commerciality of it absolutely definitely makes a big difference does help um but I, I I do think it's always been a challenge from an HR consultancy point of view that you know we don't make a secret that we are pro-employer you know that yeah. that is what we what we do you know we work with employers and we work with business owners to help them grow their businesses and and you know therefore there are times when we we will need to yeah. speak to them about well, what do they need to do and how do they need to do it and what's the strategy behind it so there there can be a conflict there sometimes i think okay. um, yeah, how you present understand. yourself and i suppose before we start talking about some of the things that are happening in the world of hr at the moment the what are the benefits do you think do you believe in working you know with an entrepreneurial business working with an outsourced hr consultancy rather than having that role in house i mean there are quite a few benefits I, there are also trying to balance it out there can be some disadvantages mm. occasionally as well if i'm if i'm being really honest but i think the main benefits i think are it can be a real challenge for a, a business um and especially an entrepreneurial business where you might have an internal HR person that has, I would say, limited experience because they've they've maybe in one role or two two roles and haven't really got the broad depth of experience right up to sort of director yeah. level. And therefore there'll be things that they come across that they may not be able to give the full experience and, and, and advice and guidance to the business as, as maybe yeah. you know, an outsourced you know, HR team can where they've got such a broad, you know, yeah. wide ranging experience and specialisms that they can bring to the table. But I think the other thing from an outsource point of view is we are, we're not in the business. Mm. So we are able to really look at the business and advise and help steer that business owner without feeling that well, actually, that's going to impact me. Well, yeah. I'm not an employee. I'm a, I'm a consultant. So I'm able to give a very, you know, uh, bird's eye view of, of actually, you know, what needs to happen. Yeah, that objective to sort of that yeah. objective view, as it were. Yeah. And it can be really emotional for a business owner to make decisions about their business when they're looking at their people. Mm. You know, I, I feel it in my business. So when you're an internal HR person, it's it's extremely lonely at times when you are stuck between you know the the leaders of the business and and the colleagues and you either become friends with everybody because you don't want to be on your own and then you're conflicted because how do you advise the business fully if you're worried about how that impacts you and your friends um and it's quite isolating so you know where do you go so you know if you're not friends and you're you've got nobody to go to unless you can build that relationship with the business owners Sometimes yeah. that's not overly possible. No. So I think I think you know we can be less emotionally attached. Yeah. I mean, it makes us sound like we don't care, but we absolutely do care. Yeah. But you know, it's much easier to say, listen to a client, and and for them to say what they really think to somebody that it's isn't external to the organisation. <laughs> yeah. So I get that. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, and for us to be able to not worry about saying things and then think, well, I've got to go and, I mean, I'm working in this business. You can be so much more objective. Yeah. And sometimes I think it helps the employees having an external person that, you know, yeah. they don't know or, you know, can come in and be a bit more, sometimes provide a bit more tough love sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, we, we would ever do things that were, you know, unethical or not legal or anything like that but but sometimes you've got to be able to have the right conversations and say things that the individual internally might struggle to say or have the skill set to say it whereas we can come in and be more empathetic and deal with the situation in a in a broader in a broader way brilliant right well we should thank you debbie it's great to you know give our listeners a bit more of an insight into the Strictly wise, your story, your journey, your philosophies, and your successes, which is brilliant. But we should probably go on to talk about the world of human resources and perhaps how that's changed in recent years, um, and possibly even changed the kind of work that you get involved in. Um, obviously, we've had you know the pandemic, we've had this shift to hybrid working, we've had the scarcity of resource, and all of those kind of things, you know, they all present challenges. I mean, what are the most common themes that you're facing now and the challenges that you're helping your clients overcome there are there are many (laughs) (laughs) um i think it would be remiss if i didn't say recruitment was probably at the top of that list i think you know we all know that there is a challenge um to to recruit good caliber staff at the moment and that that is across the board Mm that you know it's not an industry specific issue right now um, I, th- I think we all went into the pandemic and I believe, you know, we were already in a candidate driven market before we even yeah. went into the pandemic. And I think we all felt during the pandemic that we were going to come out of the yeah. you know, pandemic and we would be in an employer driven market because yeah. it, it, it kind of made sense. So many organisations did make redundancies because they thought it'd be easy to pick yes. people up the other side, yeah. didn't they? So I think we've all gone into a bit of a shock almost yeah. coming out of it. But the reality... And we're in a even more of a candidate driven market than we've ever been. Yeah. But it's more than that. It's that it's that candidates and employees mindsets have shifted. Okay. So I don't think it's it's you we can't just say we've got recruitment issues, we've got recruitment and retention issues. I think yeah. all employers need to really be mindful of retention as much yeah. as recruitment. And I think the things that we're, we're seeing, as I said, are, you know, recruitment difficulties, you know, it would, it, you know, me- mental health in the workplace and, and sadly outside of the workplace mm-hmm. has, has never been higher in terms of, you know, people struggling with, yeah. you know, where are they at? How are they feeling? you know, really struggling to cope with normal day life. Yeah. Um, and um, and again, I think we were seeing signs of that before the pandemic. The pandemic has just really added to that. And yeah. I think, you know, it's not just the employees, it's, it's employees and employers. They're both struggling yeah. with mental health. And so that's becoming quite a challenge, I think, okay. for both sides. Is that changing the skill sets that you need yourself and within your consultancy? Um, well, we're all mental health practitioners, okay. so um, we have gone through that training. I think you do need a specific skill set to be able to have the right conversations mm. with the employer, but also help deal with cases that are coming up that, that are yeah. employee-focused. Um, and you've got to start to think about all of the implications of dealing with, with one case that can be 
similar to another case but have completely different things that need to take into consideration and I think people people don't think about the complexities of some of that when they're when they're dealing with those kinds of situations um so we've definitely seen a, a massive increase in 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 mental health cases and and also hybrid working mm. um the challenges of employers coming into the the pandemic i think it had started again but obviously it, it, it the focus on home working was obviously huge wasn't it uh, during yeah. the pandemic and then coming out of it a lot of companies went to home working and we've done a lot of work on hybrid working yeah. um the culture the engagement on remote working and how you keep that going yeah. so, which is challenging yeah and that's probably something i wanted to discuss with you because i know that kind of employee engagement that culture piece is you know is something that you do focus on when you work with clients and i think that is a challenge isn't it you know when you've got you know staff working remotely you got yeah you've got some of the other challenges in life that are going on you know it's not a easy climate out there for anybody is it and other worries and concerns so how would you any tips for anybody listening that's an employer on how they can you know deal with the kind of cultural employee engagement piece while some of these challenges are in the, out there in the world and also through hybrid working it's a very big question, it's Warren. It's a very a, you know, big we can question. spend all day talking about that. Um, I, I think you've got to look at each each organisation individually, and I think things will be very specific to to those organisations, depending what type of business they are. But I think one of the key things that employers need to really focusing on is, you know, what are their touch points with with their staff? You know, how mm. often do they speak to their employees? employees whether that's they're in in an office or they're remote or they're hybrid you know what what are those touch points you know do they have a you know weekly conversation with them do they do a a group you know meeting whether that's everybody online or in a huddle yeah. you know map out how many times that they actually speak or or, or have some contact with their staff and that's not just <clears throat> from a line management point of view that's from the leaders of the mm. business point of view as well because I think lack of communication is fundamental with any business. And, and, and if you don't get those, those touch points right, that's where you'll start failing. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to have a flow of communication upwards and, and downwards yeah. and, and probably, you know, all, 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 all sides, directions, in all yeah. directions within an organisation. And communication is one of those tough things, though, isn't it? Because whatever you do and however you think you're getting it right, there's all always more you can do to improve but I get that I understand that because I think it's an interesting point and as you said that it made me think you know as business owners entrepreneurs leaders we're also more isolated aren't we more than we've ever been yeah so actually those touch points do become harder and you probably used to get away with them being quite informal but perhaps a more formal approach is needed now I think it's more just about stopping and just thinking about what they are yeah and what works for you and what works for your business so <clears throat> what are the touch points with the employees but also what are the touch points with your leaders mm-hmm. you know how valuable are your management meetings or your board meetings or your SLTs yeah. do you get the right output do you talk about the right things as mm-hmm. leaders yeah do you focus on you know yes of course you will need to focus on where are we on our budgets and where are we on my strategy and where are we but <clears throat> where is the people focus in those leader meetings 
and yeah. and making sure that the right touch points are there to fill fill that down. Then it cascades down. down. Yeah, definitely. yeah, and if it doesn't, because you don't have the structure in place, that that's fine. But then, who is going to filter it down? Yeah. So how do the employees get to understand what what they're a part yeah. of? Because being remote, especially, you're going to miss out on so much, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. So communication is clearly a big piece in how that cascades and how you, you know, include kind of that people person at a senior level and consider all the issues. But what about values, you know, and this piece around setting values, how values might have changed in an organisation in the last three years? What's any advice that you'd give on that? I mean, I think values are vital to, you know, ensure that you can understand your culture within your business. But the the biggest mistake a lot of employers make is that they spend a lot of money and time on developing values. You know, they'll bring in, you yeah. know, consultants or, you know, they'll spend a lot of time on away days, you know, mapping out what their values are going to be. And they put them on a piece of paper or they, yeah. I think we went to a talk and talked about vinyl values where... Yeah. You, know, you put them, you laminate them and they look great yeah, and then yeah. you put them in a drawer and nobody discusses them or nobody yeah. mentions them again. Yeah. And and for me, that's one of the worst things that you can do. Don't don't bother doing it. You yeah. know, if, you, if you're going to invest in understanding what your values are, you need to do that in line with looking at your culture and your environment and ensuring that you understand that, well, what is that why? Yeah. Because if you if you can understand the purpose and the values and what you're all about, you can communicate that and Im- embed that yeah. into your business. And I think that that doesn't only help with retention; it should help with recruitment. Mm. Because one of the things that employers aren't doing, and they've started to, to be fair to some of them, is showcase themselves and show off their values and who they are and what they're about to attract the right candidates. Because I think some of them are still in the mindset of, well, if you want to work for me, then what can you provide? But it's it's got to be more of an even relationship now. It has been for a long time, isn't it? But that's probably, you're right, that's probably more of an onerous now, isn't it? Where, you know, individuals want to go with to an organisation where there is a purpose, where they understand it, where there's alignment to their own values. and, and that's going to make recruitment in a difficult market easier. Make it easier. And I think, you know, if you embed the values and people talk in every day yeah. about the values, you know, and, and, you know, when they're doing reviews or whether you're doing recruitment or whether you're doing, you know, I don't know, discussions about clients and you're, you're using your values and you're, they become habitual, don't they? Yeah. They become behaviours. Yeah. And I think you can make people accountable against those values and And, that's key and that's the only way you get away i think from sort of you know the great term vinyl values is that you do embed them in everything you do your recruitment your induction your appraisal you know how you exit an employee if they're not performing you know it's still got to stand by all of those things but it's not an easy thing to do is it debbie it's it's really hard and i think it's become even harder because of the market that we're in and the challenges that employers facing and i i i, I see that employers have become fearful mm. of those you know we we always talk about don't compromise don't yeah. we and I, and I think we both absolutely agree yeah. on that um but i do think that although employers agree with that they're too scared to act on it at the moment mm. 
because if they act on it there's nobody else to fill it because the market is so challenging and and i would say well it's better not to have somebody than to have the wrong person absolutely i'm I'm evidence of having brought the wrong people in at times and thought that was the quick you know quick kind of route to success and it you know it derailed us for Mm. a number of years and i think the damage it does is sometimes unseen for a period of time and then it becomes so toxic that it's it's how do you unpick it all and it becomes so much more challenging to deal with not just financially but emotionally for those for those businesses and the impact it has on the rest of the team is is significant it's not until that individual or individuals are exited that you sometimes as the owner and leader in an organization see the true extent of the Mm. damage because you have been trying to be blinkered Mm. because perhaps it's driving commercial results in the short term but the long-term damage can be detrimental can't it It, absolutely and and you know things have got tougher it's not just about you know the, the market i think it's also about candidates and employees needs and wants have become very um set you know they're very clear now about what they will want and what they need and so employers are wavering Mm. because their bargaining or negotiating power has probably been taken away from them a little bit but I think they just need to stand strong and you know they are hugely resilient you know business owners that we talk to on a daily Mm. basis are incredible and you know are so inspiring that they can be resilient and they can get through it, yeah. but they just need to have the right thought processes and people around them yeah. to help advise and guide them so they don't feel alone yeah. and they feel that they can find a way through that maybe isn't the, the, you know, the easy way or the yeah. clear way, but it takes some thought about well, what are my options? Yeah, you know, how could I do this differently without compromising? Yeah. It's, it's that whole phrase, do what's, you know, do what's right, not what's easy. And yeah. sometimes, but you know, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? As we roll forward and come out of whatever 2023 may bring <laughs> the other side to see how that sets. And I do, I am a believer, but um, maybe I'm an idealist, but I am a believer and I'm passionate about those businesses that stand by their values and focus on their values in difficult times will come up the other side stronger and in a better place. It's so easy to make those compromises, those shortcuts, and actually, what do you get left with it? the other side you, you might still be in business but you know those businesses what you're, that, left with. What you're actually left with mm. was those businesses that maybe need to end up hunkering down a bit but staying true to their values come out ready to take the opportunities that will clearly present themselves the other side of a difficult economic mm. um, patch yeah and, and it's about being brave and you know putting your head above the parapet isn't it and you know somebody I remember in the last recession somebody saying to me you know the worst thing you can do is bury your head in the sand and mm. you know not not push through and not make the tough decisions and if you keep going and keep making those decisions and you know take those risks you you will be successful and you because other people won't do it no, so you no. need to keep going yeah you need to keep doing it and i think that's the message that we all need right now and we all need to support and help each other is we've all got to continue to find that resilience that you know we've had to find over the last two years yeah. that it's been really tough but yeah. we've somehow got to find more yeah. and, and keep pushing into what 23 is gonna is gonna bring us it's you know the challenges of you know 
post post you know pandemic post brexit um coming into an energy crisis cost of living um you know there's going to be challenges regarding legislative changes when they review all of the eu laws um so you know that that's going to be a massive impact that we have no idea at this stage what that landscape is even going to look like so the more we can do now to work together and for business owners to take a breath and to really look at their businesses and their workforce planning and and look at what does that look like now and what does it need to look like mm. for the future is is the best best advice I can give yeah. them really it's, it's take that time to do it it's interesting isn't it because if I always kind of one of the promises I'm now using is that you know the evolved topics that people are engaging with us to talk about and if we go back 12 months it was change management that's you know how do we manage change that's kind of still there but it's dropping away the two topics are developing team performance how do we really get a high performing team and that employee engagement mm. piece mm. they're the subjects that are at the fore about mm. you know forward thinking business owners thinking right i've got to get this right now mm. so that as the times you know times do get tougher as everybody expects we're in a good place um one of the one of the things obviously that is happening out there and it's probably more hard for you to comment on this but the salary piece escalating salaries escalating costs are views on that and what a business should do you know should it be continuing to uplift salaries is that just a race to the bottom what are your thoughts debbie i think it's an easy thing to think it's a it's a fix you know it You've got an employee that that says they're, they're off because they've been offered a 10k pay pay increase somewhere else, and you think I've got no choice but to match that because otherwise I'm gonna I'm gonna lose that person. Um, so it's a it's a real it is a real issue out there at the moment. But I I my personal view is, you know, giving somebody a 10k pay rise might fix something right here right now. But is it just a sticky plaster? Yeah. And actually, what will happen in six months' time or twelve months' time? You know, what is really it is it is about money, but it isn't just about money. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important that that employers look at you know do do some market research, make sure that you are are on par with what the market mm. is paying. Don't don't just make assumptions that actually you're paying really well when yeah. you know they could look another role somewhere else and do that benchmarking am am i valued enough i'm not really being paid the market rate and also it's a it's a good good information to have so you can have the right type of conversations but don't just make things about salary make sure you take the time to have the right conversation so that you're sitting down with the employees regularly enough so that a salary conversation doesn't come as a surprise Mm. you know if, if somebody comes to you and says well i want you know 10 grand because I've been looking elsewhere. They've been looking elsewhere for a reason. But if you're having regular communication with that individual and understanding their wants and their needs, then you want to get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. So talk about career progression. Talk about, you know, those stages of increases for salary. Look at your benefit packages. Are you offering competitive packages? You know, I think that the candidate market as it is has made some employers uh which is good take a look at their benefits yeah you know we we see a lot in the in the media don't we about people saying oh you know i offer you know 28 days holiday and i offer a car park space and i offer a fruit bowl and 
wrap it up as benefits when yeah. it's illegal in, you know, 28 days holidays, illegal entitlement. <laughs> yeah. And I understand the challenges employers have about costs. Yeah. But again, review what you're offering. And if, you know, 28 days holiday is is okay for your employees, then fine. But if if you can, review that and think about you know, rising incrementally mm. to offer more holiday with service yeah. or look at offering days off for birthdays or just wrapping things up in a slightly different way. You know, we get lots of clients in the past that have said you have to take three days out of your holiday for Christmas mm. because we're closed. We've seen a real shift in that over the last two years where they've removed that okay. and just said, we'll give it to you either as extra or we'll up your entitlement yeah. and then you can still take it. But I think there's a real negative feeling from people where they feel that they're getting their less than the statutory. Yeah. Yeah. So think about, you know, different ways of benefits. Ask your team what they yeah. want. You know, can you can you offer a flexible benefit package that is different for different individuals? It takes mm. some thought and you've got to make sure you've got all the framework behind that set. But also look at look at other things, you know, can you can you organize flu jabs? Um, for your staff that, you know, we're coming into a season where flu is going to be, mm. you know, they say worse than ever, you know, can you organise someone to come in and give that to your staff so they're not worrying about going and getting it or they're not worried about the yeah. cost? I know it's a small cost, but it's still a cost. You know, some some companies are offering, you know, uh, store cupboards and essentials where people can just go and help themselves to the odd piece of, I don't know, you know, canned foods or I don't know if they're just mm. struggling a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just about trying to think outside the box about how do your employees feel valued and what makes them want to stay in a in an with an employer. Brilliant. For me, it's about mutual respect yeah. and trust and making sure that you listen to each other. Brilliant, perfect. I mean, you know, when we worked with you, I think one of the best exercises we ever did was, you know, we asked the team what would you know what what benefits what package would they like mm. um and actually there's some surprising results some things we did we hadn't even communicated properly and not everybody in the team understood that we already gave some of those yeah. things but then we were able to if you remember we came up with that three-year plan so we went back and we went right look there's some great suggestions here but we can't do everything today and we kind of then set the roadmap and mm. followed that roadmap and followed clearly followed through on it um and that really helped that engagement piece. And it probably took for a while that discussion around pay off, off the, the table because we'd also benchmarked. So yeah. we weren't going over and above, but we were making sure we we're hitting benchmark. Mm. And that was some of the stuff that, um, yeah, Debbie, you did for us. And I'm yeah. always thankful for And I And I think the key thing that you said there as well is about how you communicated it fully back. And we talked about that at the time, yeah. didn't we? About pe- people are okay with no... But, but they want to understand the reason why yeah. you're getting a no. So if, if as an organisation you make decisions but you don't communicate why those decisions are being made, people will make up their own minds. Yeah. And that's where people people breed that discontent. You know, they're, yeah. they're unhappy because they decide that you've done, not done it because you don't care enough about them. Yeah, so you sort of planted the seed yourself and, yeah, and it grows and grows and grows. Yeah. Definitely. Any other hints and tips that an employer should be thinking about right now as we start to wrap up our conversation Debbie is there anything that you're seeing that you you know would be helpful to our listeners as I said I think the key is about forward planning 
and taking the time to understand your workforce and making sure that you just evaluate you know your touch points and you know if you are going to look at bringing people back into the office because of cost of you know living and energy crisis then think it through communicate effectively and make sure that you are you know forward thinking and and surround yourself with the right people whether that's you know getting the right advice from your you know accountants um your advisors you know whether that's your your, you know hr people whoever it is you know mentors you know whoever it's it's fundamental to make sure you've got people around you that can support you over the next sort of six to twelve months brilliant thank you so just turning slightly back to streetwise now just as a couple of final questions where do you think and would you hope streetwise to be in five years time I'd like us to continue to grow. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the last year working really closely with Katie and Kim to try and get them to step up and be kind of the leader themselves of Streetwise moving forward because I want to go on and do new and uh, more exciting things. I'm not saying that Streetwise isn't exciting because it will always be my passion, but... um, I want that opportunity now to kind of think, well, what what am I going to do in the next yeah. five, ten years? And Katie and Kim are absolutely ready for that next step for them to build their tribe and yeah. their relationships and to get out there and be the, the face of Streetwise moving forward. Brilliant. Fantastic. It sounds like it's one of those watch those space moments. Definitely. Definitely. Right. Always end with the same question. You know what's coming, Debbie. Um, so do our listeners. Is your definition of success, you know, how would you define success? What does success mean to you? I guess for me, success success means, weirdly, just being at peace. I I've spent so many years fighting and clawing my way to to be somebody I'm not or to to trying to achieve something that other people believe I should achieve and living up to expectations and actually none of that really matters because it's about what 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 is success for me and that that I've started to understand in the last two years about you know, success is, is who I am and what I've become and the value that I can bring yeah. to the people that I work with. So that inner peace for me is is vital and something that I haven't had for many, many years. Great. Brilliant. What a great definition of success. Debbie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about you, learn more about Streetwise, where can they go? Well, they can go, We obviously, on our website. Um, they can find us on Facebook. They can find us on Instagram. Um, yeah, just, just connect. I mean, obviously, I'm on LinkedIn. So just drop me a connection request and, and we'll get in touch. Brilliant. Thank you for being a wonderful and a very insightful guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. 
Thank you for listening. See you next week.